If you have never played daily fantasy sports, or you think that it requires a special algorithm or formula to win, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. Now in fantasy baseball, there are advantages to algorithms, and in daily basketball, it requires a lot of last minute changes and player swaps. But football is a different animal. The sample sizes are too small. It's the matchups that matter most at every position, and coaches make decisions on down and distances, plus many other factors throughout the game can affect the outcome. These are the things that no algorithm can populate. In daily football, it's the time and effort in your research and adapting to what you learn and how you apply that to your weekly lineup builds. Some knowledge to pull from learning other players' processes. But if you are a DFS player or you're looking to get into the DFS space, this is the place to be. I wanna help you learn the sport and get an edge in daily fantasy sports. So grab a drink, maybe even a notepad for this episode, and let's dive into week one of daily fantasy football. So I want to be clear that I currently use only FanDuel. Mostly this is a comfort decision. A lot of players use DraftKings or PlayDraft or Yahoo. And because the salaries can differentiate so much, it's hard to make similar lineups on different sites. What I hope to do is give insight into what I see, but ultimately you need to make the decisions. So starting off, there's two types of contests you can enter. It's what the industry refers to as cash games or GPP tournaments. Now GPP is short for guaranteed prize pool, so you get the entire payout whether the contest fails or not. And cash games only lock if the contest fails completely. Those types of games are 50-50s or head-to-head matchups. And there's different approaches to each contest. In cash, you wanna roster the safest players with the highest upside. In GPP, you wanna roster a combination of high ceilings as well as lower owned contrarian players that most other lineups won't include. This will separate you from the field when facing thousands of other entrants. Now there are several ways to approach building a lineup. The first way I'll explain is the way I like to approach, and that is I tend to build one lineup, one small core of players that I think have the best matchups for the week. And from that core, I can rotate other parts to make unique lineups. But even most times, I just keep it to one lineup and enter several contest. The other way to approach lineup construction is to eliminate the small core players and use a wide array of players across several lineups. The difference that I've seen in these two constructions is that the first approach tends to produce bigger, more consistent wins, while the second approach of using a wide array of players leads to losses offsetting the wins. Figure out what works for you. On my episodes, I will strictly use a small core of players and build around them. It's important that you develop a process that works for you. So my first task for the week is narrowing down each position. At this point in my process, I don't care about what my competition is thinking. I don't care about ownership percentage, something I'll get into later on that's pretty important when setting your final tournament lineup. What my initial thoughts are is what are the best matchups and my favorite plays for the week. I want you to develop a process where you make the decisions yourself. I certainly encourage you to soak up as much info as you can. Read articles, listen to Roto Lounge, do it Whatever you need to do to gather as much info as you can and develop a process that in the end decide on your own what you think is the best play. If I say that LaShawn McCoy is the best Kansas City running back this week but you think it's Damian Williams then go ahead and pencil in Damian Williams in your lineup. Ultimately focus on what you want. You got it? 
All right, if you start your construction with this process, most times you will identify players that others aren't owning, which gives you an edge right off the jump. Now let's be clear here, you will be wrong. All right, I will be wrong. It's not an exact science and you can win several weeks in a row, but there will always be weeks that you're wrong. So make sure you understand that. It may seem like a stone cold lock and you are so confident in your picks that you're willing to bet your entire bankroll, but don't do it because sometimes you will be wrong. But the greatest feeling is when you're right. Sometimes you will be exactly right and there's no better feeling. Now we can go over other tips in future episodes, but let's dive into week one. Now week one is the only week that we really have no clue what's gonna happen. So that can be an advantage in week one. You can take advantage of salaries that will steadily rise week to week moving forward. There are so many tools to use, but one of the most important, if not the most important, is the Vegas totals. Vegas makes a living off predicting the outcomes of professional sports games. So we need to understand what they see and apply it to our process. We want to target players in expected high scoring games. The most points scored, the better chance our players are going to score. Another important tool is the weather. You don't want to start a quarterback in a blizzard, but you do want to start a defense in one. So know the advantages and apply them to gain an edge. So let's get started. Week one matchups by position. Starting at quarterback, I'm talking about my small core of players. Here are the ones that I feel have the best matchups for the week. Now, if you're building a cash lineup, quarterback ceiling is very important because you want to score as many safe points as you can. When you enter tournaments, salary comes into play and cheaper quarterbacks that will produce allow you to add more expensive pieces to create a contrarian lineup compared to the field. So the first quarterback I'll talk about is Jacoby Brissett. Because of the sudden luck retirement, the DFS sites can't correct Brissett's salary until week two. So we have to find a way to use him, even if it's only in one lineup. It wouldn't be a bad idea to stack him with T.Y. Hilton or one of his tight ends, and it's also okay to play him by himself. On FanDuel, Brissett is priced at 6000 and faces the seventh toughest defense versus quarterbacks. His salary, though, makes it easy to look past that. Brissett can be used in cash or GPP lineups, depending how you want to approach your build. This game is expected to have a 44.5 game total in LA and Brissett will likely be less than 1% owned in tournaments. The salaries are so depressed this week though that you can probably build a good lineup with a higher priced quarterback. Another quarterback I like is Russell Wilson. He's facing the Bengals who rank 30th against the quarterbacks and he's priced at 8200 Russ has the rushing upside that we like and Vegas has the Seahawks favored by 10 in an applied total of 44 points for the game. Russell Wilson should be around 5% owned which makes him a good candidate for cash and tournament plays. Jared Goff could be a nice play if Gurley is used as a decoy in this one. It could be a shootout as Vegas thinks this could surpass 50 points versus the Panthers. Carolina is ranked 24th against the pass and are prone to big pass plays. Goff is priced at 7800 and my expected ownership is around 8.5%. Jameis Winston will most likely be a chalk play. Now chalk play refers to a player that a lot of your competition will be using, but it's okay to play chalk so don't let this discourage your final build. Remember, build the team you want. Don't worry about what others are doing. But if we're talking about chalk plays, I expect Jameis to be the highest owned quarterback this week at around 13% ownership. Now you can tweak it later if you feel necessary, but the Bucks and the 49ers have one of the highest expected totals according to Vegas at 50 points. And Jameis will cost you 7500 on FanDuel, and the 49ers are ranked 21st against the pass. Lamar Jackson is another quarterback I like. This may be the cheapest we see him all year. He's only 7400 but can easily become an 8000 plus price quarterback. The Ravens are favored by 7 against a poor Dolphins defense ranked 24th against the quarterback. And if you think Lamar Jackson has a 100-yard rushing upside, he's an easy lock 
here. Jackson should have around 8% ownership in tournaments. And lastly, another rushing quarterback I like is Kyler Murray. You will hear me talking about Kyler a lot this year. And just like Lamar, Kyler may be the cheapest price of the year at 7300 Now the Lions are a good defense, and I must tell you that last year the Lions contained all the rushing quarterbacks that they faced. So this could be a tough one for Kyler. But the way I see it is the Cardinals have a terrible defense. And if the Lions keep scoring, the Cardinals will have to try and go score for score. This could be a shootout or it could be a snooze fest. It's up to you to decide how to approach this game. Now Vegas has an implied total of 46.5 points, and I think Kyler will be around 8% ownership in tournaments. Now Matt Stafford could be a dart throw as I think he's going to be around 1% ownership in this game, but he could light up the Cardinals secondary with Patrick Peterson out. On to running backs. In week one, there's an advantage of using a running back that is a home favorite, and I'll go over those. Another thing I like to do week one, because we are not sure how cute the coaches will be, is to start running backs that don't have any competition. Look at the Packers-Bears game. All the running backs were bad plays because there were others to share carries. I want to target running backs that have little competition for carries, and there are three running backs that I love this week. There's a few others that I really like, but let me start with the ones that I love. Leonard Fournette is facing the 31st ranked defense in the league last season against the run, and this is one of the highest scoring totals of the week according to Las Vegas. If it turns into a shootout, Fournette should be used in the passing game, and he has little to no competition if he can stay healthy. His backup, Alfred Blue, is already on the IR, so Raquel Armstead and Devon Exigbo should not see the field. Fournette comes in at $7,200, and the Jags are playing at home in a game that Vegas thinks will go over 50 points. Fournette should be around 5% owned in large tournaments. A second one is Nick Chubb. Now he's a home favorite that we like to see. The Browns traded Duke and Cream Hunt is suspended, so his only competition for carries is Dontrell Hilliard. The only negative is that Tennessee is the third best defense versus the run, so he's not a lock, but the volume he should see should justify his price tag at 7,400. Cleveland is favored by 5.5 points in this one, and Chubb should see ownership hovering around 6%. Dalvin Cook is the third back I love this week. Another home favorite with a combined total of 47.5 points. Cook should be the bell cow in this contest, and the Falcons have allowed the most reception to running backs in back-to-back seasons. Atlanta is ranked 29th against the run, and unless the Vikings try to get cute and let Madison or Boone play, then Dalvin should absolutely eat in this matchup. The Vikings are favored by four, and Cook's probably going to see ownership around 20% in this matchup. Another back I like is Chris Carson, but I'm not sure if Rashad Penny plays a role in this game, and if I knew he wouldn't, then Carson would be an absolute lock. He's facing the worst ranked rush defense from a year ago, and he's on the heaviest run offense in the NFL. It's a no-brainer, right? The Seahawks are favored by 10 at home, but just when you think you found an obvious play, Penny will kill us by vulturing all the touchdowns. Now, I'll have Carson in a few lineups, and I think he's going to be around 15% owned in tournaments. The last running back I like is Mark Ingram. I expect the Ravens to have a great rushing offense this year, and Miami ranks 28th against the rush. Combine that with Ingram's price tag of 6600 and I'm buying this all day. It's a good approach in tournaments and even cash games to stack your running back with their team defense, so you can do a lot worse than a lineup with Ingram and the Ravens defense this week. Ingram's going to be overlooked, and I expect him to be around 4% owned in tournaments. Now, one note that I'd like to say is I don't know if anyone's going to be on Zeke Elliott this week, and it's a Jerry Jones thing to run Zeke out there for 30 carries and watch him score three touchdowns versus the Giants. I think it's a long shot, but I'll have at least one lineup with Zeke just for fun.
Now, wide receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They could be stacked with Jameis or you could run them naked. Evans is 7,900 and Godwin is 6,900. The Bucks are a home favorite and the 49ers are ranked 27th versus the pass last season. Both these players are around 12% owned, I think, and barring some last minute news with the health of Evans, I think they're both good plays. Adam Thielen. Keep your eye on the news about Stephon Diggs. If he's out, Adam Thielen is a lock this week. He's a no-brainer player if the Vikings roll out Chad Beebe and Josh Doxson alongside Thielen. The Falcons have the 26th ranked defense versus the pass, and I think Thielen will be around 17% owned before any news if Diggs is out. D.D. Westbrook's going to be a sleeper play, but I can see a lot of volume if this turns into a shootout. Nick Foles has targeted him a lot in the preseason, and he's only 5,900 on Fandle. The Chiefs were ranked 22nd against the wide receivers last year, and they're playing at home. Westbrook should be around 10% ownership in tournaments. Now, Odell Beckham could be the best play on the slate. The hip soreness that he mentioned worries me a little bit, but the Browns could try to show off their new toy. Odell will be shadowed by a Dory Jackson who's good, but nobody can cover a healthy OBJ. He's 80 200 and Tennessee ranks 23rd against wide receivers. I think Odell may be the highest owned wide receiver on this slate and that's for good reason. I think he's going to be around 20% owned. Also the Rams wide receivers are pretty interesting here. As the Panthers are 25th against wide receivers, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods are both 7,000 and Cooper Cup is 6,800. Now Cooper Cup is the contrarian play and most likely around 3% ownership and I could see Woods getting around 10% and Cooks around 15%. If I'm playing Kyler Murray, I'm stacking him for sure with his wide receivers. They're very cheap, and if it becomes a shootout, they should easily return value. Christian Kirk is $6,000, and Larry Fitzgerald is only $5,800. Kirk should be around 3% owned, and I think Fitzgerald most likely is less than 1% owned in tournaments. And one last dart throw is going to be Deshaun Jackson. He's playing his former team in Washington, and Vegas predicts this to be about 45 and a half points between the two teams. So DJX could get a couple long passes thrown his way, and the Redskins have the 24th ranked defense against receivers. And stacking with wins could be a nice contrarian tournament play this week. The Eagles are favored by 10 points, and I think Jackson will be around 7% owned in tournaments. Tight ends. There are only four tight ends to play this week, so don't try and be cute. This week you want to aim at the highest upside, and those four are Travis Kelsey at 7,800, which I think he sees around 25% ownership. George Kittle at 7,800. I think he'll see about 15% ownership. Evan Ingram at 6,400, 10% ownership. And Hunter Henry, priced at 6,100, should see around 10% ownership as well. Defenses you want to target are for sacks and turnovers. Touchdowns are just a bonus. Now the three defenses I like this week are the Baltimore Ravens versus Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins, who are the 27th best offense last year, the Eagles versus Case Keenum and the Redskins, which were 23rd ranked offense last year, and Seattle Seahawks at home versus the 14th ranked offense of the Cincinnati Bengals. So there you have it. Week 1 DFS. Now there are guys that I didn't mention, but I gave you some of my core plays. Please let me know how you do. If you play any of these picks, I'd love to know if you won some money. Comment on my Twitter feed, at Lounge and subscribe to this podcast. Review it. Let me know what you think. But I do appreciate the listen, and good luck this weekend with all your rosters. Until next time, this has been Roto Lounge.